apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Hello there. It's your favorite host in all of podcasting, Obi-John Kenobi, with an all-new episode of Talk Nerdy 2 Electric Boogaloo. Joining me this week, as always, my dependable crew uh, at the helm, keeping this thing on track, keeping the nerd and talk nerdy to me, it's Commander Scott. Greetings, everyone. And in lieu of one of our topics today... Something we're going to talk about later. Did you know that the U.S. Constitution is the oldest commissioned warship afloat in the world today? How old is it? Commissioned and laid down, I believe, in 1791, 1792, somewhere along in there. Um, And not only that, but with the decommissioning of the USS Forrestal three years ago, it is now the only commissioned warship in the United States Navy to have sank an enemy vessel in action. So, and if that wasn't enough dates and names and factoids from the past, joining us somewhere from time and space, courtesy of a tricked-out DeLorean, it's the Doc. Jane, get me off this crazy thing. (laughs) This is the coolest gimmick ever. I love it. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be guess the Doc's catchphrase. If you can accurately predict what random catchphrase from past shows the Doc will use this week. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so together we are. Our powers combined. Top Nerdy 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, you really got to about that name. Just FYI. It started as a joke, and I'm just going to keep it going until we find something else. We need to find something else. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Top Nerdy 2, Electric Boogaloo? I think we got the up and up on the brand split. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right then. Uh, this is Tot Nerdy Two Secret of the U's. No. Ooh. Ah. Yeah. Tot Nerdy Two Rise of the Dawn of the Beginning of the Plan- Planet. Yeah. Of the planet of the. Uh, I'm trying to mash up sequel titles, and my brain's running out. Judgment Day. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dawn of the Return of the Rise of the Judgment Day. You can keep that straight and do it every time. I'll go with it. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. See, now you just blew it. It's done now. Uh, okay. Uh, name aside, we are three nerds here to talk about nerdy shit. Uh, and our first topic this week is actually a follow-up. Um and this kind of fits into one of our old topics, which is we were right, or we called it, or whatever we, whatever name we had for that. But we talked about this in the past, and we correctly predicted something. So now we're going to rub it in and talk about how right we were. 
Yep. Uh, with the world being the way it is today, there's a new fashion statement sweeping the nation. Um, because without one, you can't get into most stores right now. And that is the good old mask uh, that everyone's trying has to wear to make sure we're not spreading uh, the disease we can't name for some reason in the media. Um, the shitty, what do we call it? The shitty Mexican beer virus. Uh, so a while back, we talked about how, you know, custom masks and, and, and uh, net masks with cool designs are going to become the new nerdy t-shirt. They have. Uh, and sure enough, yes. Um, right now, you can go to one of my favorite sites, T-Fury, uh, which if you're unfamiliar with, is a site that has just hundreds of nerdy t-shirt designs. Well, nerdy designs, I should say. You can you pick the design and then you tell them if you want a t-shirt or a tank top or a hoodie or whatever. Uh, but they have a whole new category now, and that is masks. Uh, so our first topic today is we're going to break down what do we think are the coolest designs you can actually go get right now uh, from T-Fury and a few other sites. So, Commander Scott, this was your topic. Give us your first one. Well, I like uh, one of my favorite uh, sites is is T Public, uh, so I hopped on T Public, and sure enough, they've they've now got an entire uh, section on just masks, and uh, so I started flipping through. And, and something caught my eye first and foremost before I get into what what types of masks I like. They actually have a disclaimer uh, uh, on here that says, uh, "Yeah." So it basically uh, says uh, masks are not designed or intended to prevent, mitigate, treat, diagnose, or cure any disease or health condition, including COVID-19 coronavirus. They are non-sterile and not intended to be used in clinical surgery or where exposure to bodily or hazardous fluids may be expected. This is a, we are covering our ass. If you yeah, no, our our warning label on that, we don't have any liability. <laughs> Yeah, you buy our mask and you still get sick. It's not our fault. Just like we learned from Bill Murray in Ghostbusters <laughs> 2. You put a safety warning on that thing, we have no liability. Yeah, I thought that was funny uh, and everything. So I, I started browsing through here and, and they had one that just popped up like on the, the first page. And I loved it. It made me giggle. So I actually ordered one. I don't know when it'll <laughs> actually be here. But it's just, so it's a black space background. And it just has big white letters that says Spaceballs the face mask. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> that is just awesome. <laughs> oh, we should have ended with that one. No one's gonna top that one. <laughs> I love great. that one. Yeah. Uh they had several more that I that I liked. Um you know, uh, just different different things, and, and well, we can we can get into them. In yeah, a minute, well, that's but, what we're yeah. going to do. So put a pin in that because you know I, how this format works. I know how this format <laughs> works. I know, but I like the conversational <laughs> aspect too. So, right. uh, so no, I uh, I fell down a T Fury rabbit hole, um, and I tended to. So here's my thing with T Fury: the artwork is fantastic on T Fury. Um. Seriously, it's great. And my biggest drawback with that is most of the artwork I'd rather have as a poster than as like a t-shirt. So when I was going through, there were you know <laughs> tons of awesome designs, but it was more so, okay, how does that design look on a mask? And thankfully, mm-hmm. you can go in and you can, you know, you click the design you want, and then you go through the options and you hit mask and you can see a mock-up of here's what your mask will look like. Uh, so you can sort of see what it is before you purchase it. Uh, all their masks were 15 bucks plus shipping, so they're not going to break the bank. But I I, I found three on T-Fury that looked good on the mask and then all had some subtle nerdy reference to why you're wearing a mask. So, Scott, <laughs> you'll appreciate this first one. 
The design is called Ain't No Thang. And it has a picture, an artist rendering of uh, one of the forms that The Thing takes on in the movie The Thing. Uh, So the mask is there to reassure people that you are indeed not an imitation. Yep. Diabetes Sam Human. They did not have that on a mask. I would have I would have gotten that one right away if they had Diabetes Sam Human. Uh, <laughs> so ain't no thang with the thing picture on it. Uh, that was my first choice because it relates to infections. Nice. And all the rest of them were going to have that same kind of theme to it. So just uh, a heads up. I was. Uh, I also went to um, T Public. Nice. And also came across the Spaceballs, the face mask, <laughs> um, which I thought was hilarious. But then I came across one that ties into a topic we talked about not long ago. And that is they have a Captain Rex face mask Ooh. from Clone Wars. So it's just yes. it, it cuts off at his eyes. So like the you know where the T kind of comes down on the clone mask, um, right? The bottom of the T you can see, and then the rest of the mask with the blue coloring for um, him being that part of, I guess yeah, that it's, it's just, legion yeah, the, or the nose mouth area of the helmet there. Is, yeah, 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 and it's blue, so you know it's Rex. Yeah, and I thought that was right awesome. Uh, I, I saw that one. That one. That one's really good. They they also have assorted other clone troopers, the arc troopers, and and Commander and, Cody. Uh, Commander Cody, I think, is available. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So things of that nature. They they got a whole whole line of the uh, the the stormtrooper clone trooper helmets and stuff. They all look really good. Yeah, the, but awesome. Captain Rex caught caught my eye because everybody loves Rex. You How know, can you not? If you followed him through Clone Wars, you know he makes it into Rebels. So, into Rebels, he makes it all the way into Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's confirmed. That's canon now. Confirmed. Thanks, Dave Filoni. In Filoni, we trust. <laughs> I need that T-shirt <laughs> in the Star Wars font. Sky, yeah, what else yeah. did you find? Uh so uh, uh, they had one on T Public that I really liked. Is it's it's uh, Batman the animated series, just the mouth. So oh. like right where the the top of the cowl cuts off, and you got the mouth opening, and you got a little nice. bit of black around it. Everything is it, it was really nice. I'm like, hey, I like that one. That that was, uh, that was that the one they named Batmouth. Uh, I didn't look at the name. Yeah, because I yeah I saw that one as well. <laughs> That's a good one. That one was awesome. Let's see what you did there. So the the, the next one I came across on T Fury, and again they all had a theme to them. Uh, it was a uh, I, don't, I forget what you call this art style, like a minimalist uh, Dalek. So it was like the like an outline of the Dalek, and in some of like the the uh, bigger features, so like you, you can tell it's a Dalek by looking at it. Uh, and it just had the word self isolate. Yeah, but you have to say oh. it like a Dalek. So yeah. Uh, that one tickled me, uh, and again, it had to do with you know the virus. So uh, that was my second pick from T Fury was the TARDIS or not TARDIS? Sorry, the uh, the Dalek self isolate. Nice. Um, I just want to. I'm just gonna say, with two fingers in the air in celebration, I called it 
on T Public, they have a Hulk teeth mask. Yes, you did. You did call nice. it. Um, I was so excited when I came across it. I was like, oh, Hulk teeth, yes. And then I just, I wanted to order it so that I could wear it because I have to wear a mask while doing driver's ed. And if we ever, fingers crossed, knock on wood, you know, all the good luck charms, whatever, if we were to ever get into like a an accident situation, I could be wearing the mask and yell Hulk smash. <laughs> That's so wrong. And at the end of the day, isn't that what's really important? You're not supposed to mix your hulks, man. Can't mix well, the hulks. I'm sorry, but it's it would be to me that would be ironic. Just as ironic as the day I wore a Bob Ross T-shirt that said, "There are no such things as mistakes, only happy accidents." Let's not have one of those today, right? While in the driver's ed car, probably not a good <laughs> idea. But... So yeah, Hulk teeth called it. You did. Most definitely. Well, if we're on the topic of called it, is it my turn again? Did I skip Go ahead. Somebody? Go ahead. It's fine. Uh, another one we call, or we, we talked about, hey, it'd be cool if someone did this. Uh, this was not on T-Fury. The only place I could find it uh, was on Pinterest. But there is indeed. Uh, and this is like the, um, not a bandana, but like the scarf pullover kind of style mask. Uh, but it is indeed. The Predator Yatja uh, Jowl Mask. Ah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I, I keep seeing on Facebook a picture of someone who's done like a full-out latex version of it, but I could not find a source of like where to go purchase that. So I don't know how real that is because it's on Facebook. Uh, yeah, but for sure, good. yeah, the one on Pinterest is for sale. It's, it's printed on. It isn't like three-dimensional, uh, but it looks pretty good. There's a lot of companies, there's a lot of people on Pinterest who are printing that already. Uh, this I, looked a little more. I've been trying to see if I could find a uh, a 3D print file for the the, the Predator <laughs> jowl, jowl, just to just to wear that with a with a mask underneath of it, you know, to filter out mm-hmm. nothing. But, um, yeah, I like that. That was a good one. I do so love again, the. Yeah, I do love the 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 3D vinyl one that uh, has been circulating on uh, on Facebook, but like you said, I don't I don't think it's actually for sale anywhere. Yeah, I couldn't find a link of where to go to get one, so yeah. I, I really want to walk into work with that on and just see what they say. <laughs> Cuz they um, said I'm required to wear a mask. <laughs> they did not specify what kind of mask. So uh uh, of course, T Public and T Fury have have quite a few, uh, and I've got a few others listed here. But there's mm-hmm. another another website that I I stumbled across today called Zazzle. I don't know if anybody's heard of Zazzle. I never had until today. Uh, they're doing masks, but apparently they have like an official Warner Brothers license. Ooh. So they have like all the the mouths of the main characters: Bugs, Daffy, Yosemite Sam, Tasmanian Devil, oh, nice. uh, and stuff. They just have a whole. All of them are, are there: uh, Tweety uh, and and all that. They also have uh, all the DC logos, like official DC logos. Yeah, sweet. Not that you can't find Superman, Batman masks, so right? It does in eight hundred other places, but yeah, those are pretty cool. I like those. Um, I came across one 
on T Public. I don't know, Commander Scout, if you saw this one too. But I know all three of us would have a soft spot in our hearts for this mask, and it was the Slimer Mouth. Yes, yep. I did Slimer Mouth. And it was a good one too. It actually had it's good artwork. It, it's a decent mask. That one I ordered so I ordered two back when mm-hmm. I ordered I ordered the space balls just because it made me chuckle. And I ordered a second one, and I don't remember what that second one was that I ordered. I think it was the Slimer <laughs> mouth, but don't don't quote me on it because I can't remember. Don't double check your order; it'll be a fun surprise. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm whatever it comes in. But right now they're they're saying there's a backlog on T Public, and they're uh, limiting orders to ten masks. That's it. That's all you can order at a <laughs> time. So apparently they're just being overwhelmed with I'm mask sure. orders right now. I'm sure. Yeah, unfortunately, masks are just going to be a part of life going forward from now until question marks. So I can, I can, I can attest it as someone who was required to wear one at work for eight hours a week or eight hours a day, five days a week. Uh, I, I started out being like, no, I don't want a mask, mom. Why would I want to? And now I'm like, hey, mom, can you make more? <laughs> like the you know, eight I have, I, you know, I keep rotating through them, but uh, I could use a few more. It's, it's, it's getting to be like, um, like, I go through about an apron a day at work because I'm messy. Uh, I'm getting to be about the same way with the masks because uh, all the like crap, the powder I get in my hands from the gloves gets all over the masks. So, yeah, it's uh, I can I can understand people now that you can get cool masks and not just like you know random generic ones or like the crappy black T-shirt material ones that they give out at stores and whatnot. Uh, it's something to kind of invest in and something you're going to be needing to use. So um, I'm sure. I'd be really curious to see companies like T Public and T Fury, eighties um, T's I think does them now too, but uh, to see their sale ratio between t-shirts and masks, see yeah. which way that pendulum is swinging now. Uh, I'm sure it's heavy into the mask uh, category. I'm waiting for Fright Rags to announce their line of masks because uh, they want me some some uh, Universal Monster masks. I'm sure it's coming. So who's who's up? Where are we at? I know I just went on a big rant. Well, I've only really got one more. Okay. Um, but I want to save that one to last just in case you've seen it and it's one of your picks. I don't want to jump in. Okay. Well, then I I'm, thought of you when I saw it. Okay. Well, then I'm going to jump in with my, with my last one. Then uh, honorable mention to uh, T Fury also had one that was um, a mosquito inside amber and it said life finds a way. That was my hopeful mask. Um, but uh, there's one that I stumbled across, not on T-Fury. This one, so all the other masks I've been talking about are like 15 20 bucks. This one is expensive. Uh, but like I said a minute ago, a good mask is kind of a, an investment now, kind of like a pair of shoes. Um, and you can't just go to a website to buy this one. This one takes a little maneuvering to get your hands on. Um, Creature Effects God Tom Savini and fellow makeup artist Jason Baker are doing a, I don't know if it's a run or they're just doing doing them like to order or what, but they are currently making masks specifically designed to look like the Jason Voorhees hockey mask. It's a half mask, white with the uh, red chevrons on it and the holes in it. It has like a liner that looks like it's some kind of, not like a filter, but like a cloth lining on the inside of it. Um, They're $60. 
However, it's made by Tom Savini, so it's fucking steel. Um, or a hundred dollars for a signed one. I was going to ask how much yeah. for him to sign it. Yeah, which which to me is like I kind of want one, but at the same time, if I get a signed one, I'm never going to wear yeah, it. Exactly, so. it's never leaving the house. Yeah. Um, now to get your hands on one, they don't have a website. You have to go on the Twitter. Uh, it's this new thing kids are doing. Uh, hmm. Go to Twitter and DM Jason Baker. He's at Baking Jason. And send wow. him a DM with, I guess, your information. Uh, and they'll get in contact with you about how to purchase one. So take some digging around. It's definitely much more than, you know, the, the 15, 20 buck mask from everybody else. But the quality, like the craftsmanship is going to be great because this is a professional makeup guy. Um, and it's going to look awesome. It's not just like a cloth mask. It's like an actual, I don't know if it's resin or plastic or what, but it's like a hard mask. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if it'll have uh, like a, a pocket or something that you can actually put a mask in. So you're not just, you know, well, so it, there is some kind of a barrier there. It has like a, cl- a cloth lining inside of it. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Um, yeah that's what I was thinking. So yeah, I, you can, I'm trying to remember the website that I found it on, the Bloody Disgusting or someone was reporting it. Um but I I am definitely uh, toying with getting one, uh, especially if, if Scarefest actually happens like they're saying it is, and we have to wear masks for it. What better mask could I wear? Um, so that was definitely the coolest one I'd seen so far uh, that I could actually go purchase right now. Again, some, some hoops to jump through to get there, and it's going to be uh, a little more expensive than the rest, but I, th- I, I think it'll be worth it. That's good find. Well, I, I just can't. I just had a couple like generic ones, and well, I just wanted to bring this one up, not for me, but I know Obi John. You probably know somebody who would be interested in this specific mask. Okay. And it's um, Sally Skellington. Her mouth. I don't know anyone who likes that. Didn't she do the the infomercials for the starving kids over in Africa? <laughs> <laughs> was that her? I think that was a different Sally. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, she didn't look much like a skeleton, uh, a skeleton at the time. <laughs> no. So, no, Ragdoll Sally, yeah. Uh, Wendy would kill for that. Yeah. So I saw it and I was like, yeah, I know somebody who would want this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like all the other ones that came across, it's really well done. Like, I knew exactly what it was when I saw it. There was no no question about who it was supposed to be. I was like, that's really cool. Hell yeah. All right, Cox. So blow us away. Well, it's not really us. It's it, I think you would like this. Like I said, I saw it and I thought of you. Uh it's on T Public. I did. It's on T Public. Uh it, it, it's something that you're really into, and this is the only place that I've seen it. They have one with the Star Tours logo. <laughs> Just Star Tours? Star Tours. Oh. Okay, uh, I'm going to have to go check that out now. Yeah. So I saw that and I'm like, yeah, I got I to gotta tell uh, Obi John about that. He will, uh, Star he will appreciate awesome. Star Tours. Especially classic Star Tours. With the so, yeah, I mean, I, I, never, I, never, I never did anything with Star Tours or anything, obviously. I, I guess it was after my time. I don't know. 
Um, well, but, uh, if you never went to Disney, you yeah, never did Star Tours. So never went it to was Disney. A very, uh, very limited release that Star Tours. But yeah, it. Uh, so it looks like. Hey, I'm trying to get back to it here. It looks like I guess like a, a, a Atari logo type thing. Okay, is, is the, the closest I can. You know, bring it. It's, it's like a. It's like a blue upside down S shield diamond with lines inside it or something mm-hmm. i don't know yeah that sounds about like the uh original logo when the uh the ride for the ride's gone through several uh like refurbishments so that sounds like the og logo yeah ten dollars on too public um i'm gonna have to go look that up that's awesome no i do that's uh my um text notification is the star tours um uh, so, so if you did, Star Tours was it still is a ride at Disney World. Uh, the original pitch for it was you're in the Star Wars universe, basically taking a flight to go on vacation. Uh, you're you're taking a um, speeder to Endor, and then on the way you get into all kinds of trouble. Uh, you end up uh, in a trench run on a second Death Star or third Death Star. Um, does, does it was R two kidnap you or something? No. So the original version, it was uh, uh, well, R two is the astromech on it, but your pilot was um, his name was Rex, and it was his first flight. Um, so he was a little wonky on the controls, uh, and he 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 you overshoot Endor because he he doesn't uh, do the um, um, uh, navigation coordinates quite right. You know, he was light speed skipping Scott, and he just skipped too far. Fucking light speed um, skipping. <laughs> but the, so <laughs> the whole queue to get into the ride was set up like it was a an airport in the world of Star Wars, essentially. So you'd hear fake announcements and stuff, and they had, there was a chime that every time there would be an announcement, you hear that like do 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 like chime thing. Um, that's just like embedded in my mind in my childhood. <laughs> so that that is my current um, uh, text notification. Uh, as I hear the the original Star Tours and your flight to Endor is now ready, chime. But yeah, great ride. It's still okay. at Disney World and Disneyland. It's it's gone through several refurbishments. The uh, the droid Rex uh, was replaced by C three PO a while ago. Um, he was the the droid was uh, fun fat voiced by Paul Rubens, which was oh, really? awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so he's. Rex has made a comeback, though. In Galaxy's Edge, if you go into the cantina, the DJ inside the cantina is DJ Rex. Um, <laughs> and it, it's so it, it's the, the robot repurposed. But what we didn't know until the, um, Galaxy's Edge opened was the storyline is he's literally the refer- a, a repurposed uh, Rex droid, specifically the Rex pilot droid from the OG Star Tour. So every now and then, he breaks down and gets glitchy and his original programming kicks back in and they are, they use the same um, audio, audio bits. Yeah. From the original Star Tours. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uber nerdy yeah. cause it's Disney world and Star Wars. And you gotta love it when they, when they, when they tie stuff back in and break bits back out and stuff. It's, it's just really good. Still waiting for them to explain that third Death Star, but. Third, yeah, yeah. It, it actually was just a moon. Rex got confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a running joke with Star Wars nerds, is because uh, it's set after Return of the Jedi, and yet there's a whole Empire versus Rebellion battle on a third Death Star. Yep. 
Alrighty. Yep. Sorry. That was a huge side tangent. So there you go. Cool masks. Did we, uh, anything we left out? Okay. Actually, actually hang on. Oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, wait, oh, oh, no, oh, oh. sorry. Hold up. So I was sitting here on the T public site, uh, you know, cause, cause I went back to the star tours thing and mm-hmm. I noticed that off to the side, there was filter by product and my eye lit upon Apparently, there's an entire Tiger King section of masks. Oh, of course. Oh, yes. Nice. And there's one that has Joe Exotic as Yoda. Well, actually, uh-huh. it's, it's called the Baby King mask. So it's Baby Yoda. And I don't even know how to describe it. I, I just really don't. Think of the most redneck looking Yoda species you've ever seen. A gremlin. It kind of looks like a gremlin. Kind of, kind of, yeah, it does. Kind of, kind of looks like a gremlin. But uh, yeah, they've they've got all kinds of them here. You know, one, make, make one, sure you send that to Julian. One says that bitch Carol Baskin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, holy shit, Scott! There's a whole Star Tours section. Oh, there is. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh, goodbye, bonus check. <laughs> funny so yeah i just happened to see tiger king sitting there and i'm like oh i gotta check on this now yeah make sure you send this to julian i will do he'll buy all of them (laughs) i have to i have to get the i gotta put that away (laughs) (laughs) so those are our picks for masks you can get your hands on right meow and i'm sure we'll update this uh, as we find new cool masks that pop up uh, but if you found any we left out, let us know. If you if you've got a line on those actual 3D um, latex predator jowl masks, uh, if they're not just a photo floating around Facebook, let us know. We'll take three. But Thanks. with that, we are going to uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop segue this bitch into our second topic. I'm so good at those <clears throat> seamless transition. <laughs> our uh, our main topic today. I think how to set this up. Our main topic today, I'm, I'm calling this the best movies we never got to see. Hollywood makes hundreds of movies a year. And for every movie that gets made, there are dozens more that may have been promising, may have gotten somewhere uh, along the line in, in production, but for whatever reason, never saw the light of day. They got stuck in development hell. The production fell apart. Uh, you know, the genre lost interest, whatever. There are a countless, endless sea of projects that never quite came to be, but nonetheless would have been really cool to see. And that's what we're talking about today is the best movies we never got to see. Uh, and maybe why. What sparked this was, and I'll go ahead and give my first one. Um, several years ago, by several, I mean like five, um, Neil Blomkamp, director of District 9 and Chappie and Elysium, was still making Chappie, uh, which co-starred in a supporting role, the amazing, fantastic Sigourney Weaver. Neil Blomkamp, being a sci-fi nerd, couldn't control himself and had to start talking to Sigourney Weaver about Alien because uh, the Alien movies were a huge influence on him. I think you can tell watching his movies, they were a big influence on him. Uh, So the two of them got the chatting. 
and specifically chatting about Ripley and how the character essentially was done wrong after the second movie. And uh, Neil Blomkamp basically laid out this whole idea he had of what could have been the third Alien movie and Sigourney added on to what she would have liked to see the character do. And Neil, being the nerd he is, couldn't just let it alone. He actually commissioned a couple of um, artist friends of his to start doing some just random uh, concept art for what a modern third alien movie would look like a a retcon sequel of sorts where we directly follow up alien and aliens and we ignore alien three and alien resurrection and the avp movies if those ever counted we ignore all that um he started releasing some of the art just because he didn't want it to go to waste uh and he made it very clear at the time hey this isn't really a thing it's just i'm a nerd and thought it was cool and i want to share it with you nerds well, that lit the internet on fire. That led to a meeting between Fox and Neil Blomkamp, which led to an official go-ahead for Neil Blomkamp to start writing a screenplay for what was essentially titled Alien 5, even though it was really Alien 3 Take 2. So the movie, as soon as this was announced, it was all people could talk about. If you go look at interviews with anyone around the time that Chappie was coming out when they were doing press interviews for Chappie, all anyone wanted to talk about was Alien 5. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny, but also kind of wrong because you're there to promote one movie and we just want to talk about the other movie you're doing. Uh, so basically, it would have been a retcon sequel that ignored um, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection based on interviews Neil Blomkamp gave and interviews Sigourney Weaver gave and the artwork that was released. What we can kind of piece together the story to be is that uh, Waylon Yutani having gotten their hands on the alien somehow, began experimenting with it. Uh, the artwork shows both different subspecies of xenomorph. There's a giant spider xenomorph in one or a piece of did, art. Uh, did, so did, it, they, weren't, they weren't sleeping with it, were they? <laughs> it's always the quiet ones. <clears throat> uh, so there's, sorry, I lost the train of thought now. Uh, there's a, a giant spider xenomorph. Uh, it, it looked like we had xenomorph drones that had like cameras built into their heads and someone was controlling them. Uh, but basically, that Waylon Yutani had gotten their hands on a xenomorph specimen and was just going absolute crazy mad scientist with, um, with, with, with experimenting on the xenomorph. And come into that, we have Ripley, grown up Newt, and still alive but heavily scarred Hicks. Uh, leading a band of, I guess, mercenaries to basically take down Wei Yu and eradicate the aliens. Uh, we saw artwork of Hicks uh, wearing his combat armor with, with uh, you know, very heavily scarred face from his wounds from two. Uh, we saw what was clearly like an, um, a grown-up Carrie Hen Newt. Uh, I have no idea if they ever approached Carrie Hen about coming back because that was the only movie she was ever in. Um, but we do know they had talked to um michael bean about coming back and reprising his role as hicks and in an interview someone asked him about it and he basically says if it happens yes i'll be back um so it, it would have been the movie we'd been waiting 20 some years to see jay uh i was so excited when this came out i don't know if you guys remember yeah. like, seeing any stuff or not yeah yeah you had me pretty jacked about it too Man, it every piece of artwork they kept spilling out. You saw like the derelict ship inside of a giant, um, like I don't know how to describe it. 
uh, it clearly an interior design, but it had like trees and a uh, garden and shit. You saw like an alien queen running through a jungle, uh, just all kinds of amazing imagery that, you know, my thinking was, wow, if this is the artwork that they're showing us, what's going to be in the movie? Uh, I, I couldn't wait for this. I was so excited for this. It was like, finally, because it, it seemed to be, we were right on that precipice where the studio was just really trying to get alien to be a profitable IP again. And we've got this filmmaker who's, you know, Oscar nominated, um, sort of like the it guy for sci-fi action movies right now. And he's interested in it. And he talked Sigourney Weaver into coming back to the franchise. And it seemed like Fox were all on board with this project. Which brings me to the unfortunate part of this project, <laughs> which is the why we didn't get it. Um, and there's the reason that sparked all this. Is I, I stumbled across a fan-made documentary on YouTube uh, that it's like almost an hour long that basically just chronicles the entire like <coughs> birth to death of the life of this project. Um, the short answer of why this never happened is Ridley Scott. At the time, Ridley Scott had made Prometheus, which was financially successful, but mixed critically. Critics loved it. Fans were a little less warm to it because I'm not, I'm not saying Prometheus is a bad movie, but it wasn't the movie we were told we were going to get. <laughs> uh, and at the time, Ridley Scott was going full steam ahead on a follow-up to Prometheus, uh, what will become Alien Covenant. I think it had a different title at that point. Uh, I think it was Alien Paradise Lost or something at that point. Uh, but essentially, when all this happened, the studio came to Ridley Scott and said, look, we know you're working on like these Alien prequel movies. We've got this young filmmaker who wants to do basically kind of like a in-between sequel kind of thing. Um, how do you feel about executive producing that? And at first, the line that everyone, you know, including Ridley Scott and the studio and Sigourney and Neil Blomkamp said was that, Ridley Scott was going to come on as a producer, executive producer for it. So, hey, awesome. We've got Sigourney and Ridley Scott and Neil Blomkamp and the studios on board and Michael Bean's coming back. Oh, my God, this is awesome. Um, apparently, Ridley had some issues. He he really did not want, uh, and the way they phrase it is the studio didn't want, but really I think it's Ridley didn't want multiple alien projects being developed at the same time. They wanted uh, to focus everything on uh, alien covenant. So basically this project got shelved until alien covenant came out. Uh, if you listen to interviews, people say, well, yeah, this is, it's, it's going to happen. The studio is excited for it. There's a script We're working on the script. And is uh, once uh, Ridley's alien movie is, is uh, released, uh, we'll, we'll move on to working on this one now. Well, the problem with that is alien covenant came out. And say what you will about liking the movie or not, it made even less money than Prometheus did, which really stalled out working on Alien, uh, which sucks because as a fan, you're like, yeah, no one wanted that. No one wanted Alien Covenant. We want this Alien 5 movie. Um, but that's, we don't get to make the decisions, unfortunately. So that ground things to a halt. Um I think people started moving on to other projects. At one point we were told that the, when Sigourney was done working on the Avatar sequels and when Neil was done working on whatever movie he'd got on to do, they'd circle back around and hopefully get around to it. Well, by that point, Fox was in the middle of being bought by Disney. So that was the final nail in the coffin. 
the studio got bought out, and, and everything that wasn't already in front of the camera was basically put on ice because Fox is taking over, or Disney is taking over Fox, and they want to go through the portfolio and um, control what Fox is making. So, sadly, we never got to see it because behind the scenes studio business bullshit, which sucks. Yeah, it, it's it's going to go down in history as like if I could make one movie actually happen, this might be the movie I would make happen. Uh, it just looked so amazing and, and looked like everything fans wanted to see, especially in an age where um, legacy sequels are big business. And we've already seen that retcon sequels can make big money. The 2018 Halloween movie proved fans are definitely cool with weird multiple timeline shit as long as you bring back our our og actors um because i mean that movie had like a 10 20 million dollar budget and made bank and it did the same thing it ignored everything after halloween one and gave us a sequel to halloween one 30 40 years later um in, in the whole in the whole uh era of the the halloween sequel thing and the Star Wars sequels thing, I think we have successfully proven that the uh, the fans will uh, most definitely wish for alternate timeline sequels if we get our original characters that we actually love back versus continuation sequels that give us absolutely nothing of the characters that we love back and force feed new characters we don't give a shit about down our throats. Just saying. Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, that statement 100%. <clears throat> uh, and it, it, it really sucks. It, it's it again, I, I may be reading between the lines here, but I really feel like it was mostly Ridley Scott's ego that killed this thing because he didn't want another alien project being worked on when he was making an alien project. <clears throat> um, which leads me to a whole other rant I'm going to try not to get into because <laughs> Scott had a rant last week about how he hates the Martian, and I might have a rant later about how I've now come to hate Ridley Scott. Um, cause the man needs to separate himself from his own ego, but really the more you look into it, it really, really feels like, um, he got pissed and didn't want to, you know, two alien projects being worked on at the same time, even though they're at opposite ends of the timeline of what alien would have been because he's working on prequels that take place. God knows how long before the first alien movie and this would be after the second alien movie so they weren't they wouldn't like butt heads at all mm. whatever well except, except when the one you don't direct you know beats the shit out of the one that you do direct in the box office that's the the oh the best thing <laughs> and the moment that really made that click in my head is um in that documentary there's a Sigourney is doing an interview on a panel somewhere um and someone asks, what's up with Alien 5? And the crowd cheers. Yay! And, and she gives the answer of, um, so we're waiting until Ridley Scott's done making his his next uh, prequel movie. And the crowd reaction is, boo. Like, that tells you everything you needed to know about that whole situation. It's like, no one gives a shit about the prequel movies. We, we, right. we want this project. Uh, and then what really pisses me off is, is you listen to Ridley Scott talking in interviews around that time. Like you can tell he really isn't interested in alien at all anymore. Uh, he might've been at one point and you look at like how Prometheus came to be. And it started as just a direct prequel to alien. You know, it was, it was how did that spaceship get on that planet with those eggs inside of it? That's what the movie was. And then Ridley Scott got on board 
And it became a whole different thing because Ridley Scott didn't care about those questions. Ridley Scott had this whole thing of he wants to tell stories about artificial intelligence and all these other like, you know, what's our place in the universe and where do we come from? And those are great sci-fi topics. And I love to watch Ridley Scott sci-fi movies about that. But the only way he could get that project funded was to trick Fox into thinking it was an alien movie. And Prometheus happened. Which, yeah, okay, I guess it's in the same continuity, but there's not a fucking xenomorph in that whole movie. And then you look at Covenant uh, and, and the shitstorm that happened with Prometheus and then look at Covenant and you can very much tell that is a movie by a compromise. Uh, the studio wasn't, you know, it, it's, 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 it starts out an alien movie, a spaceship out there, we get a signal, we land on a planet, crazy shit happens, and then right about Rack 2, it grinds to a halt so we can have the sequel to Prometheus and then we continue our alien movie. Which very much you can tell is you know, what the studio wanted to happen, but like, I don't think he really wants to make alien movies. I don't think he cares about the alien. He's been on record as saying the alien is played out and uninteresting, uninteresting. And why are we still telling stories about that? Because and then you look at fans and like, no, that's all we give a shit about. Really, we don't care about David and AI. We just want the fucking xenomorph. What? Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, I hate Ridley Scott. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I went to well, Scott Cockrell. Sorry. Sorry. Not, not, to, not to be the one to, I guess, right the ship, uh, mm-hmm. put the train back on the rails. Stay on target. Stay on target, not pull out of the, the trench run. Um, sorry. Let me, let me ask you guys a question. Yeah. How would you like to see a movie about a comic book superhero written Are you- you already lost written me. Written by a huge comic book nerd starring somebody very crazy but hot at the time and directed by somebody who was adaptation of comic book genre. How would you feel about that? Well, I saw Avengers by Joss Whedon, so. Well, right, right. Before that. This is before <laughs> that. What are you talking this about, Jay? Um, I'm talking about Iron Man was good. <laughs> I'm talking about Kevin Smith's Superman Lives, starring Nick Cage, and directed by Tim Burton. That is the most hallowed of all never happened movies. And I I know my details are a little fuzzy on it. I've heard it several times. I've never actually walked watched the documentary about it um i did see a kevin smith interview about it one time oh he'll uh, talk about it at the top of a hat he loves yeah, talking I, about that his, uh, his stand-up routine uh yeah. version of that story is is very yeah. very entertaining um so basically long story short is they asked him to write this superman movie he did uh but then when tim burton came on uh, shit hit the fan. Um, there was constant rewrites. Uh, everything that Kevin Smith had done was basically thrown out. Um, it even well, it even got to the point where they screen tested Nick Cage in a Superman suit, but then it just dissolved. Uh, I'll tell you this right now: that the whole story of that movie is the biggest. Uh, story black hole you will ever fall into because 
the deeper you dig about details of that movie and that production, there's no bottom to that. Um, it, well, but thankfully, yeah. thankfully, uh, a, a lot of the pieces of the fallout from that were picked up, and we got Wild Wild West, which <laughs> one piece was certainly picked up. <laughs> there was a couple of pieces. Uh, there were big pieces, but uh, but I like that movie. We'll get to that later. Uh, no, dude, like I, so uh, I'm going to take over. I'm sorry. Uh, th- one of my biggest like nerd habits is I love unproduced screenplays. Uh, if you're a longtime listener, you'll remember for a while I had a spinoff blog slash show called unproduced. That was just looking at screenplays for movies that never got made. The first one we did was Superman lives. And uh, the story is just so interesting. Like, the studio wanted to do something with Superman, but didn't know what to do with it. Um, when Kevin Smith got his hands on it, there was already, I think, three or four drafts that had been written. Um, and, like, again, Google him or, or YouTube, Kevin Smith, Superman Lives, and just listen to him tell the story. He tells it better than I do. But he ended up doing two drafts of a screenplay for a Superman movie. And just like you said, Jay, it is a Superman script written by someone who was a huge Superman nerd. And I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, a guy who loves comics, loves the character. Uh, and it was, you can tell, like, it, it features cameos from people like uh, uh, Black Manta and I think Deadshot has a cameo in it at one point. The main villain was Brainiac. Like, it's just all kinds of giant nerdy ass Superman stuff that we still haven't gotten to see on screen. Um, but the Kevin Smith screenplays, if those had gotten made would have beaten the MCU to like a connected universe um, by at least a decade. Uh, spoiler alert in the movie, Superman dies written in the script is a eulogy for Superman given by Michael Keaton, Batman. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know that part. Whether or not they would have gotten him to come back, I don't know. But there's, as written in uh, his first draft, Batman gives the eulogy, uh, and there's references to all kinds of other characters. It was, it was a lived-in DC comic book universe in movie form um, that may have been a little standoffish to people who didn't know those characters. But like, yeah, the the opening first act battle is a giant robot uh, controlled by Black Manta comes up on a beach. And Superman has to stop it. Uh, and then he finds out uh, the tech used to build it came from Luther Corps uh, or Lex Corps, uh, which leads him back to Lex Luther. And just, it, it's, it reads like a comic book story on screen. It would have been awesome. Uh, so, yeah, that's my, that's my first one. Good one, dude. Nice. Sorry. I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm talking too much. I don't mean to, but just there's, it's, here's oh, the crazy are. shit. My last tidbit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> All those costume tests with Nicolas Cage, like they full on constructed multiple costumes because in each act of the screenplay, Superman essentially would have had a different look to him. So they crafted multiple Superman costumes for the different stages of the movie. The price tag for all of that ended up getting added to the bill for Superman Returns. That's how crazy Hollywood is. When you hear about movies like, you know, it made uh, $700 million in the box office, but it still flopped. And you're like, how can a movie flop when it makes that much money? That's how. The R&D for Superman Lives 
got tacked onto the production costs of Superman Returns. Yes. I'll shut up now. It's okay. We're in your wheelhouse. We understand. It's fine. Commander Scott, what about you? Well, actually, I'm going to segue uh, oh. off of Superman Lives uh, uh, with uh, using Kevin Smith as a pivot point. Ah. Uh, this is this is another unrealized, uh, somewhat Kevin Smith uh, project, I think. Because back in 2000 is when I first started hearing about this, and, and I was psyched for it. Um, but uh, from the way I understand it, and of course I don't have a lot of details, because uh, once again, I don't, I don't know where to find like like unproduced scripts or anything but um, come to my house I, there's a whole bookshelf <laughs> well you may have it in there somewhere so apparently back in you know early 2000s uh, i guess kevin smith was looking to team up with um jason lee and do uh, a reboot of the the fletch uh franchise uh with a with a movie called fletch one uh as in uh, uh one is in i win something not the number one um, but I always, I look forward to that. And of course it got, it got caught in development. How, like I said, I don't have all kinds of details, but it never came to fruition. The last thing we ever really heard about it was, uh, I, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, 2007 ish. And, and I think Bill Lawrence, uh, from, uh, scrubs had picked it up with, uh, the potential of bringing Zach Braff to, uh, um, to the big screen as as Fletch, which I'm I'm actually huh. glad that version didn't happen. As much as I like Zach Braff, I, I don't think he would have done good, done well in the role of Fletch. But but Jason Lee, especially at that, that time, I period, could see that you know would have been awesome as Fletch, and I would have loved to have seen that movie. That would have been well, would have been really good because I, I like the Fletch movies. Uh, they're fun. You know, they're they're fun. I think there's only one actual Fletch novel though, isn't there? That I don't know. I think there is. I think there's only like one, maybe two Fletch novels and the movies, the original movies with uh, uh, Chevy Chase just used those mm-hmm. those novels as a, a, just a base jumping off point. It's not actually an adaptation. Of, I feel of like the, the, the doc should know this, given his it's, other nickname. Which is true. What do you well, that has nothing to do with that. Sure. Really? Yeah. One has yeah. nothing to do with the other. Do you, hand, do you handcraft arrows in your spare time? Is that where it comes from? Then I don't. I'm, what else could it mean? It. Um, I'm not kind of curious. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Keep your mysteries. Then I, I will. <laughs> but yeah, so that was yeah. that was one of my uh, one of my uh, projects that never never actually made it to fruition that I always wanted to see. Because I would love to see the character of Fletch brought back to the big screen. Um, I think if you were to do it today and try to bring Fletch back, uh, I, don't, I don't think Jason Lee right now nah. would be a good fit for him now. But um, if you could catch him between uh, other million-dollar projects, uh, I still think um, uh, that one guy whose name I can't remember right now uh, plays Deadpool would do it Ryan Reynolds. well. Thank you. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, I think, could uh, could pull off Fletch quite well. Oh, in his sleep. So, no, that'd be cool. That's I, mean, I feel like that's a project with the right actor uh, to to build around that can still happen. Like that's that that character is is ripe for uh, not maybe reinvention, but uh, to get another shot. That's uh, again with the right actor, that could be a very successful vehicle still. 
Yeah, I think so as well. Although I did find when I was doing research for it, I did find there's a there's a website called Fletch1.net. Uh and it was created back in like two thousand and it's just got I don't think it's been updated since uh two thousand eight, <laughs> but uh it's just a love letter to Chevy Chase Fletch. Uh it's got sounds and pictures and downloads and a message board and uh uh Oh, actually, it has a thing here called scripts. Yeah, perhaps I should actually look at that. <laughs> okay, so if you want is to know the more about one this, script there, uh, I got or is it no, just the, no, no, the first no, no. It's just the first two Fletch okay. and Fletch Live. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, these are not word for word transcripts of the movie yet. Uh, so no. Um, but yeah, so. Cool. I I love finding that's that's another thing. I I love finding really old websites that are just abandoned in place. You know, Space Jam website's still up. I uh, I think it is actually. Yep. See if the so. hackers website's still up. Oh good lord! That's still my favorite internet trivia. Hackers hated the movie Hackers so much they hacked the hackers website. And I've said hackers so many times now it's lost all meaning. So anyway, yeah, uh, uh, the the Fletch reboot. Fletch one, that would yeah, been cool. Fletch, Fletch one, that was uh, that's one of mine that I like quite well. Anyway, so <sighs> next, uh, Jay, is you? I forgot, I forgot where we went in. I think it's back to you. Well, actually. okay, yeah. I mean, unless you want me to go, if you have another, but this one will be rant. short. No, this okay. will be short. Although it does continue on tonight's theme. Uh, tonight's theme is fuck you Ridley Scott <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a huge Robin Hood fan uh, despite the last few Robin Hood movies all being garbage uh, there was a script floating around for a while that was a really interesting take on the Robin Hood material and that's the thing is is that character has been around so long there's been so many versions of it everyone's trying to like find a way to make it different and unique and put their own spin on it uh, which gets into some really random and dumb territory but this one was called Nottingham. And it was the story of Robin Hood told from the perspective of the Sheriff of Nottingham. So everything's kind of flipped on its head. Um, They had, uh, based on the script, uh, Russell Crowe signed on to play the Sheriff. There was talk of Orlando Bloom coming in to play Robin Hood because in this version, Robin Hood was a cocky young pissant, uh, basically. I I got my hands on the script. It's essentially a murder mystery. People are, are being murdered and the murderers are being blamed on Robin Hood to try to turn the people against Robin Hood and also help the bad guys consolidate power. Um, the sheriff who has a name in the script, I forget what it is. Um, he's, he's given the title of sheriff to try to help them wrangle the situation in. Uh, the opening is, is him battling in the crusades um, to show his, his combat prowess and his intelligence. Um, so it's a little bit of a murder mystery. It's a little bit of a, who is Robin Hood kind of thing. Um, Leads to some cool sword fights, and it's a really fun, um, like skewed version of the Robin Hood legend. That movie never happened uh, because Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott got involved, and somehow this project got so far off track and was rewritten so many times, it turned into the 2010 movie called Robin Hood, directed by Ridley Scott, starring. Russell Crowe as Robin Hood 
not the sheriff, mm-hmm. uh, and shares almost nothing to do with the character of Robin Hood. Uh, it is instead a fictionalized account of the signing yeah. of the Magna Carta. Yeah, that was just, and ends huh. with these weird ass Higgins boats invading England. Yeah, those medieval Higgins boats we had yeah, from when France invaded England when they never did. Yeah, oh my dear lord. Yeah, the, the, that movie is all over the map. It's not necessarily a terrible movie, but it's certainly not a Robin Hood movie. And I still have no idea how we went from the Nottingham concept to that. It starts out promising, like the, the first, you know, yeah. 20, 30 minutes. Is yeah, decent. and then the last, like, 10 minutes are great, too. When he's proclaimed an outlaw and they go out to the woods and then the credits roll. Yeah, like, Skip everything what? in the middle. The, yep. You know. Uh, um, yeah, it, it, this script again, it, it's not perfect. Uh, it, it needs some tweaking. It gets a little, um, CSI medieval times at, at points. Um, <laughs> with like, yeah, he would not have thought to have like tracked the trajectory of an arrow with string and like shit like that. Uh, but it was a, a simple but clever way to take the, the myth of Robin Hood and tweak it just enough to make it interesting and new. Um, just by switching the perspective of what character it's told from. I thought that was a really cool idea. I'd still love to see this a version of this get made, but instead we got Medieval Higgins Boats and the Magna Carta. Yeah. And a bad just version good, of the right? Magna Carta at that. Yeah, yeah. That movie's weird. Well, yeah, yeah. You're going to see a theme in how I introduce my my topics. So, okay. So, John, how would you Die. like to see uh-huh. a movie? Uh-huh. You've got me hooked already. One of, with <laughs> one of the biggest action stars of the 1980s. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right. Uh, directed by uh-huh. one of the best action directors of the 1980s. And not only that, it is an adaptation of a comic. Do you know what I'm talking about? Talking about Meteor Man? I'm talking about a movie that never (laughs) happened. (laughs) Also, check out Meteor Man. It's a great movie. Sorry. Uh, I'm talking about a movie that never happened. Uh Uh-huh. That was supposed to be directed by John McTiernan. Mm Mm-hmm. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. as Sergeant Mr. Brock. Uh, not Mr. Freeze? No, no. This no. <laughs> way before so, that. No. So Sergeant Rock is described as a super buff uh, military man in World War II who is as handy in hand-to-hand combat and fist fights as he is with a rifle. And he's some big, beefy, burly... Uh, GI, and at the time, John McTiernan wanted to create this movie. They wanted to adapt it, and he wanted Arnold in it. And Arnold mm-hmm. was on board with it. He wanted to do it. In fact, they wanted to do it so much that they put Sergeant Rock comics in the movie Predator so that Arnold and John McTiernan could read them while on set. <laughs> Yep. Um, and what 
the the character wouldn't have been a direct adaptation of the comic character. He would have been a half half American, half German, um, but fighting for America, and he would use his German speaking ability to get behind enemy lines to take down targets easier. Um, Arnold was, Schwarzenegger speaking German, trying yeah. to pass himself off. Hmm. Right. But it was going to be a straight up shoot 'em up action movie like Commando in World War II, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like we, we did get a little bit of that on screen with Commando because that's, that, that's right. kind of the character he played in Commando. I mean, not the World then, War II stuff, but yeah. the Yeah. And so this was this was brought in and talked about, and everybody was on board, and they were moving forward with it, and there is actually no real good reason why this movie was never made. Um, It was brought up in the 80s, the late 80s, like around the same time as Predator, because the comics are in the movie. Uh, It was brought up again in the 90s, but it just, it never came to be, and it's just sort of fizzled out of existence. Um, the latest talk on it was that it was no longer going to be World War II. It was going to be in the future, uh, and that was going to be a change. But other than that, it oh, so has became really... soldier. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, first of all, fantastic pick, Doc. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that's a. That's another really interesting project to look into, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, the Predator Easter egg because uh, if you look um, at the end credits when they do the uh, like everyone like smiles at the camera for their credit, um, um, Shane Black, his character uh, Hawkins, is reading the Sergeant Rock comic in the uh, end credit sequence because they were trying to talk Shane Black into writing the script for him because <laughs> they love Lethal Weapon. And they uh Shane Black did a lot of uncredited rewrites on Predator. Um so yeah, that that's uh that was kicking around for a while. And I think what ended up kind of putting it to bed was post Batman eighty nine, you had a slew of comic book movies based on older comic book properties, like Shadow and the Phantom, um Rocketeer kind of, um, that came out. Uh, trying to kind of replicate that comic book success. Uh, Dick Tracy was the other one I'm thinking of. Um, none of them did too great at the box office. And I think that kind of made the studio a little gun shy to pull the trigger on another comic book character from the golden age of comics that modern audiences weren't that familiar with. Uh, but you'd think just the pedigree alone of written by Shane Black, directed by John McTiernan, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, would be enough to get any movie made at that point in time. Oh yeah, that I mean, even if you, I feel like a studio that was even a little bit worried about making money on it would greenlight the shit out of that with that trio. Yeah, like, yeah, just with that pedigree alone. Yeah, just yeah. So I, I mean, I am baffled why this yeah. movie was never made. I mean, they Arnie and John McTiernan did team up later again to make a movie, but it's not. They did? Sergeant Rock. What? Yeah, didn't McTiernan direct Last Action Hero? Oh, shit, you're right, yeah. 
Good call, Ooh. dude. Doc for three. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Uh, that again. I'm not f- super familiar with that character, but again, just anything with that pedigree at that point in time, when you, when you could put on the marquee from the guys who wrote Lethal Weapon, directed Die Hard and Predator, and starring the greatest action star of all time. Yeah. I, I that I again, especially in late eighties, early nineties, those names alone should have sold that movie. Any studio would have been like, Yeah, great, here's fifty million, go make us this movie. Uh yeah. yeah. And instead that, it, we get Last Action Hero. Which is a fantastic movie. I'm glad you brought that up. Jay, do you want to talk about how much we love Last Action Hero? It's it's good. Yeah. Because I know Scott <laughs> loves Last Action Hero. Yeah, I something it all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> it, yeah, and when I was when I was reading the article about it, it really blew my mind. Like, how can you not get this movie made? And it, yeah, yeah. So good pick, man. Good pick, uh, Scott. I think we're back to you. We are. So, okay. uh, back at the beginning, I, I, I dropped some nerdy facts about the USS Constitution. And the, mm-hmm. the reason I did is because one of my picks uh, uh, is also a movie starring Russell Crowe. Um, uh, in 2003, he did a, did a movie uh, with uh, uh, Paul Bettany uh, called Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. I love I, I, I like love that movie. a lot. It's 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 a great movie. Um it's no last action hero, but it's pretty good. And it has a lot of other <laughs> things, including that going for it. Um <laughs> you know, it, it was good. It, it was it was critically acclaimed. It uh it was nominated for ten Oscars, um and, and won uh, at least two that I know of best cinematography. Best was it really? It was. Uh it wow. lost in yeah, it was best picture, best director. Uh, amongst others, but it lost most uh, most of its awards to uh, the Return of the King. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's that was cool. a landslide year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but at the time that they did the film for this, uh, it was direct, It's directed by Peter Weir, mm-hmm. uh, who's one of my favorite directors. You know, he he done a, has done a lot of uh, things uh, that I've I've loved over the years. Uh, not least of which, of course, you know, the Truman show is a great movie. Dead Poets Society, Gallipoli, one of my favorite movies. Uh, but, uh, based on the Aubrey Marturian, uh, series of novels, uh, set during the Napoleonic Wars and during the, uh, the, the war of 1812, um, they had originally envisioned they were doing this with, um, uh, uh an attempt to bring it to do a series. They they wanted to do a whole series of of Captain Jack Aubrey and the HMS Surprise, um, but uh, but of course it, it didn't because once again while it's critically acclaimed it 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 wasn't really a flop. I mean it grossed two hundred and twelve million. Um, uh, only it cost one hundred and fifty million, so it made money, but not nearly the kind of you know bank that uh, these types of movies really need to get sequels. Uh, so there's no real drama on why the rest of them never got made. It's it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're doing stuff historical, period based. 
yeah, it's got a lot of action, but you know, the modern audiences really don't go in for that uh, that well. Uh, and I think it's sad because once again, the acting is good. Uh, the 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 direction, um, uh, cinematography is awesome. Of course, it won an Oscar for that. I think it should have won an Oscar uh, for best visual effects. Um, but that's because I'm a little biased here. So <laughs> over Return of the King. Yes. Okay. So Return of the King is great. It, it, it is. Um, and it has some awesome visual effects, but I mean, so in the novel, so the, 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 this, this movie's not based on one specific novel. Um, the bulk of the story comes from the novel far side of the world, but they, they pick and choose some elements from, from, from throughout the series to kind of bring in. And in the novel, um, it, it's actually not set during the Napoleonic Wars. It's set a little, well, a little while later. And the the ship that is the 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 enemy ship, um, uh, in the novel is uh, um, an American ship, actually. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it right now. But uh, because it's one of the uh, one of the the, the Humphreys frigates that was used during the U S Navy during the 19th century, they actually went and maybe not best visual effects, but definitely something for their efforts. They actually went to Boston Harbor and they took digital scans of the, the USS constitution, like the full ship. They digitally scanned that and used all that data of a real life ship to digitally create the uh um uh the Acheron which is the uh the the ship in the movie because the Acheron is also supposed to be uh Yankee built she's uh, she's built in in US shipyards so just the fact that they they went you know and digitally scanned an entire ship to as accurately as possible recreate it and beautifully done so i i thought in the movie because i love the way this movie looks uh I think they should have got something for that effort. Something, you know. They got nominated. <laughs> no, the uh, no, you're right. Uh, the problem with that was that year at the Oscars, <clears throat> Return of the King swept because basically the Academy gave Return of the King all the Oscars that the entire trilogy should have gotten. Yeah, in one night. So yeah. rather than spreading out all these, you know, the, the awards they could have given. You know, fellowship in two towers. They just gave the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy every Oscar in one night because uh, it won what, like eleven Oscars in one night? Was it twelve, or did it tie Titanic? I think it tied Titanic. It was eleven or twelve, but it was it was. I mean, it it swept. It was it was crazy. Um, yeah, I, I felt bad for any other movie that year. <laughs> every um, other movie that year. Yeah, every other movie at the Oscars that year pretty much got screwed over because uh, no, nope, Lord of the Rings, uh, nope, Lord of the Rings, uh, nope, nope, Lord of the Rings again. Well, I haven't had faith in the Oscars since uh, you know Shakespeare and Love. So oh. let's, not, let's not use trigger words, Jay. That's not. We're in a, we're in a happy space. Gusfraba. Gusfraba. People are still oh, yeah. talking about the historic, uh, uh, um, meaningful movie. That is Shakespeare in Love. Uh, that that is not a movie completely forgotten under time that the Academy just fell in love with at the moment. 
and gave an Oscar to. Not at all. But not not saving Private Ryan. No, I mean, what 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 impact did that movie have on anything, Jay? Don't you know what? This, exactly. I don't think yeah. we can't we can't handle two rants in one show. I don't. Think. <laughs> 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 no, that's so. fine. It didn't inspire an entire generation to start talking about their wartime efforts, and it didn't change the way war movies are made. It's yeah, yeah. It had no impact. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. didn't didn't spin off two miniseries that are also highly acclaimed and awarded miniseries that no. people also own. But hey, you know, it wasn't what? arguably whatever. Tom Hanks's best work. No, no, whatever. You know, just forget it. Forget about it. Forget about accuracy. Didn't launch the career of people. Historic, historic accuracy to actual like battles and situations and and how. It, never mind. Never mind. You're but done. most importantly, Vin Diesel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got a letter so, from so, my dad. <laughs> so maybe one point against, but uh... so back to mastering command. Yeah, mastering uh, command. <laughs> <laughs> yes, stay on so, target. So I, you know, once again, one of my favorite movies, but it, it it just it did not make the the box office numbers necessary to get a series and and multiple films. And I understand why, but I would have loved to have seen Paul Bettany and. Uh, um, you know that one guy, Russell Crowe, Russell Crow. yeah. Um, actually, go forward and and do more. Uh, Aubrey Maturin, uh, Maturin, uh, stories because I, I think there's there's quite a few good stories there that uh, could have been told. Well, your ray of hope. Everyone has a streaming service now. This is true, and, uh, and I guess and somebody correct me about. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that would be another series that I think would be better suited to uh, multiple seasons than movies. Well, not even multiple seasons, but I mean, it has been proven that you can do movies like this on a, a smaller basis, I guess. Because uh, uh, oh, who was it? Was it AMC or somebody uh, did a Stars, whole series? The, uh, Black Sales. No, 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 no. I didn't care for Black Sales. I, I watched a couple episodes. And I just didn't care care for it. But uh, no, um, I think AMC, uh, and I'll double check this, did an entire series of Horatio Hornblower movies based off of the Hornblower novels. Uh, the BBC. Was it BBC? I could be wrong. It seems like a BBC kind of thing. I, I've got them on DVD. I'll just have to go get the box set. But uh, starring Ian Garofalo, because I can't pronounce <laughs> Mr. Fantastic. Name. Yes, so fresh off of Titanic when he got that role, actually. Oh, had a random cameo. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, you could do, you know, more Master and Commander novels, and they probably wouldn't be as grand a scale as Far Side of the World, because uh, even on, well, I mean, hell, you actually, I don't know if you could make that movie for $150 million today. I don't know if it would be less. I, don't know I would argue you could, million. but it would be different. Uh, you'd be much more VFX reliant, so which I'm fine with because I mean, I think VFX is at a, at a comfortable place right now. Yeah, you would. Uh, yeah, you'd build part of a fake ship and then you do the uh, LCD backgrounds like Mandalorian. Well, so there was uh, um, on the uh, uh, on the Horatio Hornblower things, the uh, movies they had uh, they had one ship. Which on one side of the ship was painted, you know, like the uh, the indefatigable. 
so British colors. But okay. the other side of the ship was painted as uh, Spanish colors. So they would just <laughs> they would just switch which side of the ship they're filming on. You ever see one side of each ship? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Genius. See, now that's a way to double your money without paying for it. Uh, that's awesome. So. Yeah, it's like uh, the Sulaco from Aliens. It was only built because you, you see it only, only see it going from left to right on camera, so they never built the other half of it. Mm. So when uh, they, they dusted that model off for Alien 3 and it had to be going the opposite direction, they had to mirror flip the shot because there wasn't <laughs> a side. Nice. The Doc, so, yeah. you got any more for us? I do have one more. Today, honest. Um... And this, I here. This is great because it's going to add to your I hate Ridley Scott, <laughs> um, as well as continue my awesome introduction of these movies. So, John, yeah, you and I love Alien. We, we love that movie. What movie? Alien. Yeah. Right. Um. And it alien that the alien creature was created by who? H.R. Geiger. H.R. Geiger, and that movie was directed by Ridley Scott. How would you have liked to have seen another movie where H.R. Geiger was the creator of creatures, and it was directed by Ridley Scott? Can I ask a follow-up question? Yes. Also, going to start Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um. No, it it could okay. have. Yeah, then we're talking. Okay, then I'm thinking of a, of a different movie. So go ahead. That you sounds might, awesome. Maybe today. we might be thinking of the same movie. The movie okay. that I came across was a movie called The Train. Nope. <clears throat> and so Please tell me more about this. So this movie was basically the premise was that um, it takes place in like a post-apocalyptic world, um, and there's this underground train. And on this underground train, there is a genetically modified creature that is raising hell with the occupants on the train. Um, and like I said, take, it was supposed to take place in a post-apocalyptic Los Angeles. Um, and it was pitched to HR as a combination of Blade Runner and Alien. Huh. A sci-fi horror film. Okay. And, and all, so based on that, just that information alone, Geiger started coming up with drawings and artist renditions for things. And at one point in time, he actually came up with the idea that the train itself was a giant biomechanical organism that, had, he a, would. that had a skull as the locomotive. That's the most familiar thing I've heard of, yep. Wow. Um, and so that movie fell through because they could not agree upon what the alien, the not alien creature, the genetically modified creature would look like and what kind of powers and or strength it would possess. And huh. the the last conversation about it uh, was in the 90s, and they had reportedly signed on Sylvester Stallone 
to be the main character in that oh. film. Huh. Uh, but it fell through and it never got turned into anything. Um, but when I read about it, I was like, man, that would have been a crazy movie because you've got that claustrophobic feel of being in a confined space like a train. Um, it would have been even better had it been a giant biomechanical train that was like some sort of sentient creature. Um, and it, I mean, I could take or leave the Sylvester Stallone, but it would have been interesting to see him in that kind of a role. Uh, yeah. Something a little different. Um, I mean, and just, just the Eager and really Scott working together again would have been awesome. Right. Uh, like that's what immediately drew me in. But um, I guess you could say the train never left the station. Cue uh, crickets. Yep. Yeah. All right. Never, never no, I know. I, what, what you could say, what I, I said, the, the train, <laughs> the train never left the station. Huh? Once, once again, cue crickets. Huh? No, I, I heard it on the second time. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, no, that's good. It's funny. I like <laughs> it. Uh, the last one I'm going to pitch. Uh, in fact, hey, Jay. Yeah. Do you like monsters? I do. Hey, Jay. Do you like Ridley Scott movies? I, I do. Hey, Jay. Do you like movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, hell yeah! Sign me up, brother. In a post-apocalyptic Los Angeles. I swear yes. to God, this is the same movie. I swear to God. Uh, before Will Smith, uh, but after Charlton Heston, uh, Ridley Scott in the '90s was gonna was in development on an adaptation of "I Am Legend" by Richard Matheson that was set to star Arnold Schwarzenegger as the lead role. Um, in a post-apocalyptic Los Angeles where the entire world had, through some disease, been turned into not vampires, not zombies, but uh, emaciated ghouls, basically. Uh, He was the last human left. And it was going to be this big sci-fi action movie um, with Arnold in the lead role. He was an architect who had built himself this fortress, and he had to go into town to get supplies, and he was trying to work on a uh, uh, to understand this disease and maybe find a cure for it. Uh, again, based on the novel uh, by Richard Matheson, which had already been turned into a movie a couple times at that point. Uh, this big, like, would have been awesome sci-fi horror action movie uh, was said to be a very different role for Arnold. The whole first 45 minutes had no dialogue at all because um, he's the only human character left. You know, would have pushed his acting ability. It would have been, you know, apparently some jaw-dropping action scenes because it would have been him just, you know, mowing down waves of ghouls in post-apocalyptic Los Angeles. Um, Sounded awesome. And unfortunately, could not agree on a budget with the studio. Uh, Despite multiple rewrites to to lessen the epicness of it and get the budget down. This was post-Terminator 2. So I think Arnold's price tag was pretty high at that point. Um, but they, they, they shaved like $50 million off the budget, but still couldn't agree on a final budget. So it never got made uh, until like a decade later when Will Smith came along and 
and made that movie that is sure called I Am Legend. <laughs> yep. But uh, we could have gotten one in the 90s with Arnold. Yes, which is why when, down ghouls. Uh, apparently in the script, he wore a Kevlar body armor suit to go out and get supplies and drove a souped up Hummer because they were trying to lure Arnold into it. So they gave him a Hummer and had his character smoke stogies. Stole artwork from museums to put it in his house. Uh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it sounds like a perfect uh, 90s action movie. Uh, and I'm, it's one of those things like, yeah, I, I wish I could go to a universe where that did get made and see that movie. Uh, Which is also why when you started pitching yours, I was like, are we thinking of the same movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can go to a universe where some crazy movies were made, like Terminator starring Sylvester Stallone, and you can go to that movie by watching Last Action Hero. Which is a great movie. Great, great movie. So ahead of its time. It's underappreciated. Very underappreciated. Scream of action movies. It's, it is the apex of all action films. Uh, that's all I've got. Anybody else got uh, great movies we never got to see? I'm all out. Commander Scott? Uh, the only other thing that I have is it's not so much a movie. It's actually kind of a series. Okay. And I bring it up because, well, uh, it's Star Trek related. And, you know, I can't I can't resist talking about anything Trek. Um, but it's something that was not opted for it was it was undeveloped and i think we're getting ready to see it be backdoor developed which is why i bring it up because i think i think we're in a very interesting situation with this um so after star trek enterprise was um canceled unceremoniously uh, unceremoniously canceled um and everything. Um, they were looking at new Star Trek properties, and of course, Star Trek was put on hiatus for a while. But uh, there, there have been numerous uh, undeveloped Star Trek properties pitched over the years. Uh, you know, Michael Dorn has been, you know, screaming for a Worf show forever. Uh, there was the 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 fans were really wanting a a Sulu uh, spinoff uh, show. Um, after Star Trek six and they even did sort of a kind of halfway backdoor pilot in, in a third of season episode of Voyager. Um, but, uh, there was one that was, uh, pitched, um, by, uh, Brian Singer, uh, as a, as a, um, new spinoff series when they were looking to develop something called, uh, uh, Star Trek Federation. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this. Uh, so it's set in the year um, 3000. So um, not quite a thousand years after, you know, uh, next gen era. And uh, it was to chronicle a period of, de- of decline in the United Federation planets. And there was a new enterprise and a new crew. And so the the, the premise was, that uh, humanity had become complacent. Many worlds had left the Federation because of its human centric nature. Starfleet is stretched thin, you know, uh, 
and uh, um, um, basically, uh, a Starfleet admiral commissions a new Enterprise to return the the Federation to its former glory. So the Federation is kind of like the the decline of the Roman Empire kind of thing, you know. Uh, Babylon has fallen; everything's in ruins and ashes. So we've got this state that we can do whatever we want. We don't have to go back to old tropes. Anyway, they did, they chose not to develop it. Um, and, and they, they chose instead to develop Star Trek Discovery, which is set 10 years before Kirk. And its first season had some rocky, rocky beginnings and, and everything. To put it politely. It, it was. It had some good stuff in it too, but it was, it was definitely, you know, not the greatest, but it persevered. Uh, season two was phenomenal. Primarily due to uh, Anson Mount's portrayal of Captain Pike, uh, I still firmly believe he 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 pulled that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I know it's a team effort and writers and directors and everything. Nope, all Anson his, Mount. His performance, yep. was center stage right there. And so I'm going to drop you know spoilers here for anybody who has not seen uh, Discovery season two. Uh, at the end of Discovery season two. Um, uh, the uh, discovery is taken into the future, and we have it has been confirmed they have gone a thousand years into the future. Um, and the trailer that we've gotten for season three has clearly shown us signs that uh, the Federation uh, either has fallen or is in severe dis- uh, severe decline because uh, there's a character that uh, Michael Burnham meets, and she's wearing her Starfleet badge. And somebody points to it and says, "Oh, you're, you're uh, I see you're into nostalgia or something." Yeah, basically hinting at that Starfleet no longer exists or something. And of course, we don't know because it hasn't come out yet. Um, in fact, between season one and season two, uh, there was a series of short treks, and uh, one of the short treks takes place on Discovery. Uh, after Discovery has been holding position abandoned for a thousand years, and uh, has become the computer has become sentient, um, and there, there's a there's a, a character that's in an escape pod, and the ship brings it aboard and 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 heals the character. Uh, his name is Kraft, and uh, he tells you know the he's talking to Discovery, uh, which I think her name is Zora, uh, in the in the thing, and he he's uh, he was a, a soldier in a war. Uh, between his his world of Alcor Four uh, and a, a, an entity uh, called the Vidraish. Um and it has been confirmed by the showrunner that Vidraish is a uh, bastardized pronunciation of Federation, uh, which is something that that Star Trek has done on many other occasions uh, in, in several episodes in the original series and, and next gen and, and things. So it seems to me like, you know, Brian Singer pitches this idea. Ah, we're not going to do that. We're going to, we're going to go with this. And then two seasons later, they're like, you know, you might've been onto something. The fans really aren't digging this. Let's write that in. And so I think we're going to see a lot of what was pitched for Federation come into uh, discovery season three. Uh, this uh, at the end of this year when it actually does get finished editing and stuff. So, huh? Yeah, like I said, it's not a movie. 
Um, well, the, I, I find the situation very interesting. Yeah, and ideas get shuffled and repurposed, and yeah, you never know where something might end up. Yeah, but at the same time, it just feels like a complete 180. You know, they're like, wow, Discovery's not working. What else we got? Well, Brian Singer gave us this, and they had <sighs> decent reviews or decent acceptance. Uh, maybe we can do that. Get us yeah, the script. I don't think I'm going to like that idea. Uh, if you're going to show me the Federation <clears throat> building itself up, just go fucking do a sequel series to Enterprise because you cut that off at the knees before it got to do that. I don't give a shit about in the future the Federation that fell apart and we're rebuilding it. That sounds dumb. Well, they're not going to give us the Enterprise ones because that would never work without the Enterprise crew. You know that and I know that. Okay. We, we would need Archer. I'm and sure all Scott Bakula is not doing anything right they're now. They're not going to get that cast back together. Plus, they've already <laughs> killed off Trip. Maybe in your world. <laughs> so um, no, I I thought you were gonna pitch phase two. Well, so, uh, you took that in a whole different direction. Yeah, uh, phase two we kind of got a bit of phase two because a lot of that was repurposed for the motion mm-hmm. picture. Um, in fact, the the actor that played uh, or was supposed to play the Vulcan in phase two. Uh, is is in the motion picture. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's on the uh, the regular. Uh, is it regular? Anyway, he's on the space station that gets eaten by V'ger. Yep. So yeah, a lot of Phase Two. If you want to see what Star Trek Phase Two would have looked like, pay very close attention to uh, all the the artwork or the, all the visuals uh, when they're on Earth at the in the first act of the film before they get on Earth. Well, also. There's a fantastic book. Um, I think there it's called is. Phase Two yeah. that chronicles the entire rise and fall of of what was going to be uh, the sequel Star Trek series uh, called Phase Two that ended up getting scrapped in lieu of doing the motion picture, uh, and a lot of stuff from Phase Two kind of transitioned into motion picture because well, they were already building sets and whatnot for Phase Two. So let's not you yeah. know waste not want not. Well, for that, you can thank Star Wars. The so. sons of bitches. <laughs> what did they ever give us? Uh, well, I could sit out. here all day and go over movies that didn't get made, but I think for the sake of time, yep. unless anyone has anything they really want to talk about. No. All right. Last put... action hero. No, we got that, though. We got that. <laughs> That's why we live in the brightest timeline because we got Last Action Hero. <clears throat> Great movie. I wonder. I wonder whatever happened to that T two stand up with Stallone instead of Schwarzenegger on it. Like, is that in a prop uh, warehouse somewhere? Did someone take that home with them? Can I buy it on eBay? <laughs> Sly has it in his house. Ah, and whenever I people so. come by. He's like, I was a Terminator. Let's check it out. <laughs> I could see Arnold sending that to Sly. I could, because that's Arnold's humor. I could see him doing that. Uh, we'll talk about Last Action Hero later. Uh, for now, let us know are there any other movies you think would have been awesome that we never got to see? Um, do you like this topic? Do you want to see us do more? I can. Was there a certain thing we talked about you want to see us do a deep dive, do a whole episode on? We can do special episodes. Um, Again, this used to be a thing I did. I've got an entire shelf full of full of scripts for movies that never got made. We can keep doing this. Uh, but uh, this has well, been 
Hold on. Rise of the Dawn of the Return, the Judgment Day Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, that right. This (laughs) this has been Talk Nerdy 2. I'm Obi John. Thank you, Commander Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, the Doc. Has, Has anybody seen Rosie? The Riveter? No. Because you need a jet bit at the, the start of the thing. Uh, Full circle. Bring call it back. back around. Call back. I see. Thanks for sticking with us this long. Uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. 